0: We are picking up on uh, uh, the chronological life of Jesus Christ, and uh, I want to just read a couple verses that I read last time, just so that we remember the context of the way that Jesus is speaking. If you look in Matthew chapter 13, Matthew chapter 13, verse 34, Matthew 13:34. It says, all these things Jesus spoke to the crowds in parables, and he did not speak to them without a parable. So remember, after the unpardonable sin, Jesus spoke solely in parables to the masses. He didn't speak without a parable to the masses, but he would go and explain all things privately to his own disciples. And now look in in Mark, Mark chapter chapter 4, same sort of thing, I just want to underscore that that when Jesus now is speaking to masses, you know, prior to the unpardonable sin, he didn't speak in parables. After the unpardonable sin, he only spoke to the masses in parables. Matthew chapter four, verse ten says As soon as he was alone he began his followers, along with the twelve, began asking him about the parables. And he was saying to them, to you it has been given, been given the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, they get everything in parables. And so if you turn in the same chapter, four, verse, Mark 4 verse 33 says something, with many such parables he was speaking the word to them so far as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable but he was explaining everything privately to his own disciples. So we are very much now in the time period of Jesus' life where he is only speaking to the masses in parables. So now turn to to, uh, John chapter 6. We're picking up where we left off last week in John chapter 6, but we have to remember that Jesus is speaking in parables. So we have this parabolic method of speaking to the masses. Why? Because the masses had already made a decision... And the decision was to follow the rabbis, that they were not going to accept Jesus as the Messiah. So he only spoke in parables, but to those who were his designated ones, they would understand. But the masses would not. And so if you look in, in, in John chapter 6, we're going to pick it up um, from... Let, let's start picking it up in verse 35 again. John 6.35 Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. So we talked about this where Jesus said that He is the bread of life. He is speaking parabolically. Jesus Himself is not physical bread, but He's speaking in parables. Now let's pick it up from, we covered that portion uh, last week as well. Let's pick it up in verse 41. Therefore the Jews were grumbling about him, because he said, I am the bread of life that came down out of heaven. They were saying, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I've come down out of heaven? And Jesus said to them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, And they shall be taught of God." Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread which comes down out of heaven, so that the one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also which I, which I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So Jesus starts speaking to them and the Jews start grumbling. So the people, the masses of people there start grumbling because he said, I am the bread of life that comes down out of heaven. I'm the bread that came down out of heaven. Because again, they don't realize that he's speaking to them in parables. And they started grumbling and they said, look, We know this Jesus. We know His Father. We know His Mother. Jesus is up in the Galilee now. Many of these people saw Jesus grow up. Many of these people know His Mother and His Father. And remember what Jesus said. He said, the prophet is not without honor, except in his his hometown. So in other words, sometimes it's hardest for us to receive from people that we've known a long time. It's hardest for us sometimes to receive from those. And he said to them, he said, Stop grumbling among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father draws them. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be taught of God. In other words, those that are going to be able to perceive are the ones that are actually taught of God. Your heart will be opened to the Lord to the extent that you are taught of God. When God speaks to your heart, you will learn to grow in faith. If you are one... If I am one who will take of God, who will take these things of God and allow God to teach me, then I will be the one that will learn to grow. You will be the one that will grow if you will open up your heart. That's why you can take two people. You can take two brothers, grew up in the same home. One goes on with the Lord very fervently and the other is not. Because one spends time in prayer and worship and reading the scriptures and the other does not. You can take two roommates one blossoming and experiencing the Lord and the other not. What is the difference? You will see the one that blossoms spends time in the Scriptures. They will be taught of God and the Father Himself will draw them. If you will open your heart, what I lay before you is life. Your life. What will you do with it? What will you do with this? They will be taught of God. If you will open up your heart to the things of Christ, if you will take... Your precious time, which I know students are very, very busy. But if you will take of your precious time to daily be taught of God, to set time aside to be taught of God, you will be greatly blessed. You will be the ones that will be drawn. No man can come to me unless the Father draws him, Jesus says. No man can come to me unless the Father draws him. And He says, and they will be taught of God. Even among the Jews of that day, again, they were reading these writings that were of rabbis. The same Mishnah, the same Talmud we have, much of this was compiled already in that day. All of this was a distraction. Those that were taught of God through the writings of Moses, and now we have today, and they have the prophets, they have the Psalms. Today we have that as well as the New Testament. If you will be taught of God, your heart will be open. If you will not allow yourself to be taught of God, your heart will be closed. And you wonder, wait, you know, I never really experienced much of God. When you start spending time before Him, you will experience more of God. And Jesus said, remember what He said, on the last great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If any man is thirsty, let him come to Me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. If you will believe in God and come to him, if you will spend time with him, you will grow. If you don't, you won't. It is that simple. You spend time with God, you will grow. You don't, you won't. And if you don't, I'll tell you what will happen. And I tell you this not because I'm a prophet, but because I have a lot of data points a scientist, and I just have watched people's lives, you will grow cynical in your faith. You will grow cynical of Christianity, you will grow cynical of God, and cynical of Christians. And you'll start demeaning them, and then you will turn out to be a very bitter person. You will destroy your marriage, you will destroy your home, you will destroy your life. If you will soften your heart and learn to receive from God, it will have an amazing impact on your lives. I have seen it. I have not only the data point of my own life, I have the data point of a lot of lives. A lot of lives. You change your heart to open up to God and things will go much better for you. you know, I was just contacted by a very dear friend of mine. And, and uh, uh, you know, I, I, I think certainly he, he grew up in a, in a surrounding where he knew the Lord, I'm not sure that he ever went very far in it. And uh, he doesn't live in this country anymore. And, and uh, just to see so much in his life in pain right now, where his second marriage is breaking up, and and uh, just just the, the the things that have gone on with with his children, and and just to see the pain there. And my encouragement to him is all I know how to share with him is. Take this word and start to rebuild your life in this word. You don't have a lot of time to let this thing go. You don't have a lot of time to think, Oh, well, when I'm done with school, then I'll start. Wrong! You won't start. You start now. Now. Now is the time. Jesus said, Behold, today is the day of salvation. It says of Moses, Moses was faithful in all of God's household. Moses could have thought, Well, why be faithful now? until I get into the promised land. and you know, when things are calmer there, I can set up a nice place, and then I'll start really seeking the Lord. No, He was faithful in all of God's household. Where God had placed Him, He was faithful. To the extent that you will be faithful and diligent in coming before the Lord and taking up His Word, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. It is all here. It is embodied in me. Let's read on. Verse 52, John, chapter 6, verse 52. Then the Jews began to argue with one another, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day, for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. Not as not as our fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. I mean, the Jews were already confused. The masses are already confused by what Jesus said in the last paragraph. So you would think that Jesus would say, oh, let me straighten it all out. You know, I'm speaking in parables. No, he doesn't. So it says that they're really confused. They say, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? It's crazy. So here's how Jesus clarifies it for them. When they said, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in yourselves. So that's clarity? You've all experienced this, I'm sure, where you ask the professor to explain more fully and they say exactly what they said before. And you're like, you don't get it, do you? I didn't understand it the first time. You've got to change a little bit. No, Jesus just hit him right back with the same thing all over again. He's speaking parabolically. Those who were taught of God, those are the ones who are getting it. Those who were taught of God, those are the ones who are getting it. And that's why you can have two people sitting in church. One of them is just like, "Wow," and the other is like, "I'm not getting anything here. Not getting anything out of this." Two people, because one is opening themselves up to be taught of God. One is before God and reading the scriptures on a regular basis, and being taught of God. And because of that, because of that, they're open to whenever God is speaking. And the other person is just clueless. They're just saying the same thing over again. Why even bother coming? I think I'll just stop going to church too. And you see, this is this terrible cycle that falls in. And many people spiral in on this. So remember what I'm telling you. Remember what I am telling you. That one day... When you start thinking, oh, you know, there's nothing here. There's no life here. Why am I doing this? Why am I wasting my time? Just remember, you are now in this cycle. And it's going to suck you right in. And you are beginning the pattern for the destruction of your life. And the way you get off of this is you get into the Word of God and spend time with Him. And have your life open up to God. I have so many data points it's all I've done my whole life is I've been in school my whole life. I've never left school. You know, I, I think I started playgroup at like four years old. And I'm still in school. I've never left the educational system. So I've seen so many lives. I've seen people come through. I've seen my own friends. I've seen, seen different people that I've lived with, my own roommates. And then I've seen hundreds and hundreds of students, Christian students, just even through this class. And I've seen it. This pattern is here. And when you start getting bitter and cynical and thinking there's no life here, remember, you are getting sucked down. You need to get off of this. You need to get off of it it because it is a real thing. It is a real thing that happens in the lives of people. You know, just this week, two people, two people have shared with me how distraught they are because one of their close relatives has just denied the faith. And decided to leave the faith. You know, and it's an upsetting thing. Because then they're really caught in this cycle that's going to pull them down. And the hope is, the hope is that they're going to get to some point where they're going to say, This is miserable. It is miserable. I am miserable. But how many marriages will it take? How many career losses will it take? How many broken children will it take? Before you realize... That's the frightening thing about all of this. This is serious business. Remember they, they they had asked Jesus for some of this bread, and they were talking about this bread coming down from heaven. And he says he said in fifty eight, This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. Jesus said if you get involved with me and my life, you will truly be different. Verse fifty nine. These things He said in the synagogue as He taught in Capernaum. So again, we get further clarity. Where is Jesus? He's on the, right by the Sea of Galilee in, in Capernaum in a synagogue. Jesus is teaching in the synagogue. So on the Sabbath day, where was He? He found Himself always in the synagogue teaching to the extent that He could be there. Verse 60, Therefore many of His disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, conscious Said that, but, Jesus, con- but Jesus, conscious that his disciples grumbled at this, said to them, Does this cause you to stumble? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. But there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning... Who they were who did not believe, and who it was who would betray him. And he was saying, For this reason, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted him from the Father. And as a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. So many people, because of the statements that Jesus made, many people, including many of his disciples, so beyond the 12, there were other disciples. And then there were crowds of people too. It says, because of these statements, many of the disciples were not walking with Him anymore. Wouldn't you think that Jesus is kind of trying to build a new a new mode of operation for people, you know, see God through Him, that He would say, whoa, 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 come on back! <laughs> let me clarify this for you. Just sit down and let me explain this to you. No use to just get all riled up here and just leave. It's interesting. Jesus said what he said, and he let them leave. You want to go? Go. He let them leave. I'm always amazed at this. You know, if somebody says, well, you know, you said something, and all, mom, all, all upset. You know, I want to try to calm them down. You know, let's talk about this. They say, well, you don't like it? Go. No, I don't say that. I want to talk with them and say, well, what is it that's troubling you? Let's talk about this thing. Jesus just let them go. You know, it, it, it says in verse 60, Therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, they said, this is a difficult statement. Who can even listen to it? I mean, it is even troubling in our day. You have to hear it. for men say, eat my flesh and drink my blood. I mean, who can listen to it? I mean, this is, this is really weird kind of talking. But remember, Jesus spoke only in parables. Jesus, conscious that his disciples grumbled at this, said, Does this cause you to stumble? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and life. So first he says, is this causing you to stumble? You know, at one point, you're going to see the Son of Man rising up and taken into the clouds. That's how Jesus departed. Is that going to cause you to stumble too? Let me tell you something. Just because you hear a troubling statement from, say, a pulpit, you don't give up on Christianity. You know, I I just heard a story about a woman that that she was just so upset the way the church had handled the situation when her brother passed away. And I have no idea what happened. This is is 30 years ago. And it's not this church. She's speaking actually of, of another church. The way the church dealt with the death of her brother, she never went back to church. Well, I'm telling you, you've got to learn to get over it. What are you going to do if, if if your husband says something to you that you don't like? What are you going to do? Say, forget it, I'm out of here. No, you better learn to get past things like that. Because you're going to hear a lot of things that you don't want to hear. You know, I heard the story of one man who said that, you know, he got married to this woman. And, and uh, he said, you know, I'm really kind of concerned because a lot of times I get I get really upset for for... No, no good reason. And, uh, I just don't want that to happen in our relationship. And the woman said, oh, don't worry. I'll give you lots of good reasons to get upset. <laughs> you know, so in marriage, there'll be plenty of good reasons to get upset. I mean, things will come up. And you can't just say, well, I'm out of here. No, you work this thing through. I mean, sometimes your children will say to you very painful things. I know many of you, like, well, you don't know what my parents said to me. Well, let me tell you something. There's sometimes things that kids say to their parents that are very painful too. But you can't just say, well, forget it. You're not my child anymore. No, you're my child. That can't change. So you don't just toss up something when you don't understand. Or like, oh, I see something in the Bible, this is too troubling, I just can't have it anymore, forget it. You know, there's people like that. Jesus said, does this cause you to stumble? There's going to be more you're going to see. There's going to be more. Remember, you don't leave a family, you don't leave a relationship, you don't leave a marriage. This is something that is there for life. This is the word for us, for our life. Jesus said, I'm speaking to you the words of life. And then He goes on to say, He says, in verse 63, this is key to this chapter. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. You see what I mean? They were so caught up. How could He eat His flesh? And then Jesus starts revealing it now to His disciples. The words that I spoke are spirit and life. It's not flesh. The flesh profits nothing. You see how he's now clarifying this for his disciples? Because he sees his disciples are also getting you know, upset about this. But he clarifies to his disciples. He says, I'm talking about the Spirit. The words that I'm speaking to you are the Spirit and life. The flesh profits nothing. I'm not talking about you physically eating my flesh or physically drinking my blood. This is Spirit. This is life. The flesh profits nothing. I'm not talking about that, Jesus says. You see how He's bringing clarity. And then, and then it says, But some of you do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who it was who would betray Him. <clears throat> and He was saying, For this reason I've sa- said to you, that no one can come to Me unless it's been granted Him from the Father. Verse 66, And as a result, many of the disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. So Jesus said to the twelve, You don't want to go away also, do you? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And Jesus answered and said to them, Did I myself not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. Now he meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. So you, you see, he, he turns to the twelve and he says, You want to go away too? I mean, many of the disciples were leaving, so he turns to the twelve. He says, You want to what, go away too? And Simon Peter said, Lord, where are we going to go? You have words of eternal life. We've come to believe, and come, we've, we've believed and have come to know that you're the Holy One of God. This is a great place to be because so many things are going to hit you in your life that are inexplicable, that are so hard to understand. I mean, one new believer, I mean, just so many things have hit him. And he was talking to me yesterday just with tears in his eyes. He says, why is this happening to me? I don't understand this. Why does this keep happening? Things that are totally beyond his control. I don't have a good answer for him. I don't have a good answer, but there's so many things that are going to hit you in life that you will not understand, and if you want to go to church and always expect to come out and say, yeah, I agree with everything the pastor said, well, you're never going to find a church, never, you can start your own church, that's what Shireen tells me to do when I come home grumbling about things, she says, why don't you start your own church and then it'll be perfect. What are you laughing at? (laughs) Things will never be explicable in all realms. It won't be. But you can't leave the faith because of it. Peter says, you know, where are we going to go? All I know is, you are the Holy One of God. You have words of eternal life. There's a lot of things that I don't understand. But I know that you are the Holy One of God. You are the Holy One of God. And people will say, well, you know, I'm, I'm okay with Jesus, but I don't, you know, you know I, I can't deal with the church and everything. Organized religion, that's not for me. Well, what about, what about the commandments of the Scriptures? Where God has taught us, the Son has taught us. Jesus was always in fellowship. Where the apostles, the instructors, where God, Jesus himself, taught the apostles, the apostles teach us. And they say, do not neglect the fellowship of the saints, which is the habit of some. But encourage one another, and all the more, as you see the day drawing near. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 and 26. So, so he tells us, we need the body of Christ. And all these loners who say, I'm okay with Jesus, but not with organized religion... Every experience that I've had with those people is they are very shallow in their faith, in their understanding, and their utility to the Lord. God has called us to something much greater. You know, Simon, Simon of Cyrene, he carried the cross. He was forced to carry the cross for Jesus, to help Jesus' assist him in carrying that cross for a time. But when will we bow our knee and say, Lord, I will willingly carry your cross? I will willingly pick up the burdens that are your burdens. All we hear about is, cast your burdens at the feet of the Lord. Cast your burdens at the feet of the Lord and let Him carry them. Well, what about His concerns? Will I not do something for His concern? Will I not speak to people? Will I not use my gifts and my talents for Him? Even though it takes me away from my family and it takes me out of town and it draws me to spend have to spend time preparing and speaking? Of course I will do this for Him. If this is the cross that He has for me, gladly I will do this for Him. If He has a burden for these people, that becomes now my burden. If He cares about people, that should be your burden. It's not always, let's are burdens at the foot of the cross. What about what He's concerned about? What about helping Him to carry His cross willingly? So if there is something where God has given you talents, God has given you gifts, you use those for His glory. And in this, there is life. This is a good thing. This brings life. This brings life in a marriage. This brings life in a family. When, you're, when children see their parents serving the Lord and actively serving the Lord, it causes children to want to serve the Lord. When a man sees a young woman serving the Lord, it it causes this man to say, wow, that, that girl make a nice wife. And he's right. Because she's learned how to serve others. She's learned how to be less selfish and more selfless. When a young man is serving the Lord, young women just, wow, look at that guy serving the Lord. They see it, they take notice of it. This is a good thing. This is all a good thing. You pick up the burdens of the body of Christ. Does God care about this particular campus group, Agape or InterVarsity or Navigators or Baptist Student Ministry? Does God care about it? Make it your concern. And the concern needs to extend beyond just, well, I'll, I'll attend that group. No, then you're just sucking from it. Give something to it. Make it your concern. Make service your concern. There is life in this. The words that He speaks to us are life. There is life in these things. Jesus is communicating in this portion, spirit and life. You want spirit and life in your life? It is here. And this is why i become so concerned when I see people just, just falling into sin and doing these things that I know are going to destroy their lives. You say, well, you know, that's their own business. But it, it's much like seeing a man trying to commit suicide and another man coming and interceding and trying to take that weapon away. So the first man can't commit suicide. That is an act of mercy. That is an act of intercession out of mercy. It's not like, oh well, if he wants to kill himself, go ahead. Just make sure you don't miss. You know, just clean up the mess or arrange for the mess to be cleaned up. No, you intercede on on behalf of another. And I see patterns in young people's lives that I know are going to bring destruction. And it grieves me. So when I see two people sleeping around, I know the destruction that it's going to bring. Say, oh, this is a, you know, victimless, you know, event. It is not victimless. What this is going to do in the lives of these young people, it hurts me because I know it hurts the Lord. It hurts me because I know it hurts my Lord. There is something here. There's something that happens in this sort of life. There's something that happens when young people are participating in that sort of thing. I know it's how it's going to affect their future marriage if they should marry. Because when moral standards are shunned and moral standards are put down before marriage, then while they are in marriage, the moral standards are also put down. You say, well, what does that mean? It means that if people cohabitate before marriage, then they are more prone... To sleep around when they're in marriage. Because already the morality has been compromised. And you know the other one to be immoral. And I know what it's going to do in marriage. And then if those two should not marry. They should marry other people. I know after they've given their lives to other people in this sort of way. The pain that it then brings. Can God reconstitute? Can God rebuild? Absolutely. But I know the pain it's going to bring. And it's not magical. It's going to take a lot of work. When people participate in certain things, and certain practices, it grieves me. When I see actions go on, even on campus, you know, this night of decadence, which is, oh, just a big party. I know what this is going to leave up here, the mental scars that this will leave in young people's lives that are not easily dealt with. And that's why I care. This is individual's business in one sense. In another sense, it becomes my burden. Because it's a burden of my Lord. And I carry His burdens. It concerns me. These things leave scars. These things leave burdens. These things leave pains that are not easily dealt with. You think, oh, I just turn it off. Uh Uh-uh. If you could just so easily turn it off, then why, why are you always thinking about it? We are complex entities and God wants what is best for us. The very best for us. And the words that Jesus speaks, these are spirit and life. Let's pray. Abba, Father, thank You for Your mercies. I pray for these young people that they would catch hold of spirit and life. Father, I pray that they would learn what it is to pick up the burdens of our Lord, to carry His cross, to help Him carry His cross, to pick up His burdens, because there is life. Father, I pray for them that they would have good lives and good homes and good marriages and good children. Father, I pray that they would not be easily upset by things that they might not understand, but that they would be able to say with Peter, we believe and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. That Lord Jesus, you are the Holy One of God. And because of that, that they would not easily leave. Father, I pray that you draw them close to Jesus. Draw them close, I pray, in the name of Jesus.